thing and walked outside thinking, man, I'm going to need a coat. Walked out, and I was like, all right, I can deal with this. Like, let's, let's do more of this. Okay, sweet. So I don't want to say thank you so much uh, for being here with us this morning. I believe that God has something really powerful that he wants to communicate uh, to each and every one of us. And I think one of the things that we need to do is just really come before God and just ask him, hey, to speak to us. Uh, maybe you've never done something like this before. Maybe this is your first time. That's okay. Uh, really, we just want to have an openness to hear what God has to say to us this morning. If all you hear from me uh, is just me speaking and, oh, wow, that was a great message, talk about it over lunch, and then really that's the end of it, then that's missing the point. We really need to hear from God. So let's just pray really quick and ask God to just meet us here in this place. God, we thank you so much just for who you are. God, your goodness, you meet us here in this place right where we're at. And God, I pray that uh, through the words that I speak, God, that it wouldn't be my words speaking, but it would, be, it would be your words. God, that you would communicate very clearly what you want to communicate. God, we thank you. We look forward to all that you have for us this morning. In your name, amen. All right. Well, one of the things, uh, first and foremost, I want to talk a little bit about is that we're going to really dig into the Word this morning and see what uh, God has to say specifically with regards to this idea of fullness. Um, one of the things I, I've been really thinking a little bit about this is that people, and specifically even Christians, kind of live as though they've been defeated, right? So ultimately, it's like, man, I'm, I'm just getting barraged by depression, I'm getting barraged by uh, just anxiety, I'm getting barraged by the, the status of my finances. You just have all of these attacks coming at you, and it's sometimes it's like, how do I deal with this stuff? What do I do in these circumstances, in these challenges? And so really what I want to do is just encourage us this morning with what God has to say about it. So I do want to uh, let you know right off the bat, uh, the first part of this message, it might be a little depressing, Okay, if you track, promise, I'm going somewhere with it. We're going to land this plane. We're going to bring it in. It's going to be a nice, smooth landing. Uh, but I do want to let you know right off the bat, very get-go, the first little bit, uh, it's going to be some pretty heavy stuff. Uh, and the reason why uh, I'm bringing this stuff up is because in order to understand the solution to a problem, you first have to understand the problem, right? I studied mathematics. I got my master's degree in it. And I'm not bragging about like how skilled my math skills are or how good they are, because the reality is it's like I still use my fingers for adding. So <laughs> the, the thing I've learned through all my time in studying math was in order to really appreciate the solution, you have to really appreciate the problem. You have to know what the problem is. You have to understand the depths of it. So really, that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, also, bear with me. I... Woke up this morning with a little bit of a drip in the back of my throat, so if I'm just like, oh, just so you're aware. All right, so the very first thing that uh, we need to uh, discuss is that evil exists in the world. Evil exists in the world. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's really like, man, it kind of sets the stage straight, right? It's like, wow, there's, yeah, there's nothing good here. Everything is consistently and totally evil. It's all bad, right? 
I think you don't really have to go too far to see that that's a reality in the world that we live in, right? That evil exists in the world. Um, just this last week, down in Florida, South Florida, um, just a little bit of a context, my sister is a vice principal in a middle school down in South Florida. And so when the news came across my Twitter feed that a school in South Florida was a victim of a mass school shooting, immediately my mind was like, oh gosh, which school is it? Like, is that my sister's school? You know? And thankfully it wasn't. Uh, My sister was on the southwest side of the state, and this happened in the southeast side of the state. But immediately my mind just went to like, oh my gosh, like, that's just totally evil. Like, why would somebody walk into a building and say, you know what, I'm going to end the lives of as many people as I want because I have no value for that. That's just evil. That's just the sin that we have in us that, that causes us to do things that are completely evil. Right? Um, annually, again, like I said, this is going to sound really depressing, so, but I promise I'm going somewhere. Annually, there's 21 million people worldwide who are sexually trafficked. 21 million people. 2 million of them are uh, underaged. 2 million children every single year in the global commercial sex trade. Uh, On average, there's 40 million children killed globally each year due to abortion. Here in the United States, it's lower, but that's a global number. Um, that's, That's incredible when you think about it. And pretty much since the time we started this morning... Uh, 10 o'clock, there's been roughly 1,800 children killed. That's uh, sad. Anyone who just argues that evil doesn't exist is just living insulated from the world. It's so apparently obvious just looking around at not, not just the world we live in here in the United States, but globally there's just so much stuff going on. But take a look at Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. The problem of evil that exists in the world is not just relegated to some abstract, big-picture world issue, right? Each and every one of us, because sin has entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way we have sin. Every single one of us has to suffer the consequences of sin, and that's death. Every single one of us. So because of that, because of the sin that we have in our lives, we're perpetuating that throughout the whole world. We are exactly part of the problem in the world because of the sin that we have built into us. There's this common lie that you hear that, you know, like one day I'll be able to go to heaven because my good is going to outweigh my bad. Or one day, like, you know, I'm, I'm just a nice person, so really, you know, it's, I'm fine. Me and God, we're on good terms. He's my bro. You know, like, that's, that's not reality. That's not the truth. The truth is that at our core, we are totally and consistently evil, that we have sin built into the very fabric of who we are. And we need to understand that that is powerful. That is something that's inside of each and every one of us. So evil exists in me. Uh, Here's a really simple example of how I can prove to you that you're not a nice person. Um, Have you ever met a two-year-old? Yeah, met a two-year-old. My daughter, she's she's 14 months old, and she knows three words. She knows mama, dada, and hi. 
you know. So uh, the other day we were at the house and uh, she was hungry or something and sitting in her, uh, her little uh, booster chair with a little tray on it and she knows it's time to eat. Okay, it's time to eat. I'm going to get my food. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about this. She gets a little too excited, right? A little too selfish. As soon as I open the refrigerator, she knows the food, that's where the food comes from. I want to get in the refrigerator. I think that's why most refrigerators, like the old school ones, have the latches on them, right? Or they're magnetic around the side. It's because the little kids can't get into them and just pull everything out, right? So the thing is, she knows that's where the food comes from. So as soon as, as, soon as the refrigerator opens, oh my gosh, I need every lot. Like, okay, just chill. 30 seconds, it's going to be in your mouth, and then it's going to be in your belly, and you're going to feel better, right? Like, it's just, calm down, chill. Every time she sees a bottle, even if the bottle's empty, she sees the bottle, it's like, ooh, like, the world is going to end if I don't get that thing within, like, five seconds right now, right? I mean, that's like, she's 14 months old, and I know, like, okay, she'll do that, and as soon as we give it to her, she'll be like, hi, like, thank you, like, like, okay, like, you are, like, the cutest person in the world that I can be annoyed with right now, like, just, like, come on. But it's true, like, each and every one of us, we're just like that, right? We have this selfishness just naturally built into the very fabric of who we are. So evil exists in me. You don't have to teach somebody to be selfish or to be bad, that's one of the things that I've always uh, found interesting is uh, it's kind of like, I don't know if any of you are Star Wars fans, but Yoda, when he's teaching Luke in, uh, I think it's episode five or six, he says to him, you must unlearn what you've learned, right? You have to unlearn what you've learned because you go through life and you learn all these things, but then it's like, okay, like, man, I got to unlearn all that stuff because that's not who I am. And that's not who I want to be, at least, Right? So evil exists in me. The good news is Christ knows us better than we know ourselves. And he still meets us exactly where we're at. Check this out. Christ overcame evil once and for all. Christ overcame evil once and for all. Take a look at Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. It says this, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Keep an eye on that. And since we died with Christ, we know that we also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. That's critically important. He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once. Another translation says that he died once and for all. So keep that in mind. To break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. There's this common perception of... I think among people who've come to Christ and accepted him as Lord and Savior, it's this common perception that, okay, like, God, I know you died for me, but in reality, I know that there's still some stuff going on inside of me. Right? I think the one thing is we have to get that mindset 
out of, I mean, we need to wash that away and completely rid ourselves of that mindset. Because the truth is that Christ, when he came, he didn't just die for us, he died as us. He didn't die just for us, he died as us. And that's critically important. And the reason why is, when Christ was up on the cross, God looked down when he was issuing judgment on his son, pouring out his wrath on his son, and he saw Christ die. And if we're found in Christ, then he saw us die too. So he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees something totally separate. When Jesus was buried, he buried your old nature too. It's the old nature of that evil, that sin that we were just talking about, that was buried in the ground, never to rise again. When Christ rose, he rose in newness of life. And that's a perfect analogy. That's why baptism is such a powerful analogy of the life that God has infused inside of each and every one of us. Because we're going under the water, but when we come up, it signifies something powerful, and it does something powerful inside of us. It's that representation of, man, I'm going under, I'm dying, I'm completely ridding myself of this, and I'm coming up a brand new person, completely washed clean. He arose in newness of life, and we stayed buried in the ground. But this is the one thing that's amazing, is that Christ, when he's in us, when we're found in him, that's a life of fullness. Right? It's a life of fullness. Freedom in Christ, it means that God isn't dealing just with our sin, but he's dealing with our righteousness. Right? He's dealing with our righteousness. I guess the real question you have to ask yourself is whether or not you truthfully in your own heart believe God's still dealing with your sin when you've come to him. If you're still kind of on defense, I know this is like a common thing um, between like fathers and sons, it's like, oh, like my dad's just disappointed in me all the time, right? Or you live in kind of that mindset of like, I don't want to anger or upset dad because he always thinks I'm doing something wrong, so I have to get in his good graces. It's like, that's not the reality. That's not the life that God has given to us. That's the thing that's amazing. He was totally and completely satisfied with Christ so that when he sees Christ, he sees us when we're found in him. I don't know about you, but that's crazy to me. That before the foundation of the world, there was an agreement between God the Father and God the Son. Like the whole cross was planned out before the world was even thought created. Before the world was created, this whole thing was planned out. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. And so... The thing that's crazy is, like, if I were God, I'm not claiming to be, so if I were, and I knew how sideways everything was going to go, I probably would have just said, you know what, forget it, I'm just going to make another Jupiter. Like, I would never, you know, do this. But that's, like, the mystery of it. I just don't understand it. I can't fully comprehend it, but there was an agreement that Christ was going to do this from the very beginning, even before the beginning. So the deal is, we don't have a struggle with sin since it's dead. Our struggle is with righteousness. So practically, what does this look like? You don't have a problem with anger anymore. 
You don't have a problem with anger. It's just a matter of learning patience. You're just learning what it means to be patient. Right? You don't have a problem with fear because in Christ we're dealing with perfect love which casts out all fear. Do you guys follow? Does this kind of ring true? Do you understand what I'm saying here? I mean, this is, this is crazy when you think about it. So when you look at who Christ is, that he's given us a fullness, a full measure of himself, it's not like working in a job where, okay, you start at the bottom of the company and you've got to slowly prove yourself and work your way up. God's like, no, like as soon as you come to me, you're getting all of it. You're on equal footing with my son. How crazy is that? It's so backwards. That's just, our mind doesn't even get ourselves, like, we we can't wrap our minds around it at all. He's given us everything we need right off the bat. And I think one of the things that, I was talking with Rachel about this the other day, and uh, you know how sometimes, like, you have a conversation with somebody, uh, I know this is true of me sometimes, like, um, sometimes after, like, I say something, and like, hey, like, after we're done here, people come back like, man, that thing, that one thing you said was amazing. I'm like, I have no idea what I said. Like, you know how sometimes you say stuff that's, like, pretty profound, and you're like, oh, yeah, did I say that? Like, that doesn't sound like it was me. It, it, was, it was kind of the same thing. Like, I, uh, I was talking with Rachel the other day. We were laying there, and I said this thing, and she was like, you have to write that down. You need to say it on Sunday. I'm like, all right, so here it is. <laughs> Going to say it, you know. She told me to, so... Listen to your wife. The, uh, the biggest lie of the enemy, check this out. The biggest lie of the enemy is convincing us that God can't do what he's already done. The big, I'll say it again. It's for Asia, that's right. The biggest lie of the enemy is convincing us that God cannot do what he's already done. Right? That's so true. Like, we, we find ourselves just constantly just feeding those lies. Like, oh, God, like, are you really this big? Can I believe that you're going to do this for me? But no, like, that's not true. God's given us a fullness. He's given us everything we need, right? All of God's available to us right now. And the, the funny thing about this is that no matter where you're at, you are not too much of a challenge to the grace of God. You're not. Like, that's one of those lies that we just talked about. It's, hey, like, that's a lie that the enemy, no, I, I'm too bad, I can't do this, God, like, I can't come to you, i got to get my life straightened out. It's like, that's the reason why you need to go to God, is to get your life straightened out, right? So let's make this real. I think there's places that God occupies in our lives. So like I said, he, he offers fullness to us. The question is, are we willing to submit those areas, all of those areas to God and say, God, you have all of it, 100% of it. Every area of our lives. Are we willing to submit everything we have to him? Because there's places, I mean, truthfully, I'll be honest, there's places in me that I haven't submitted. Sometimes they're like blind spots and I need people to point them out to me. I think that's why it's important for us to continually be in community with each other because we bring each other up, we build each other up, we point out each other's weaknesses. You know? That's why it's so important. There's areas that I haven't submitted. There's areas that you haven't submitted. There's areas that we're just, man, like, it's an empty spot. And the crazy thing is that in all of those empty spots, 
God has a promise just waiting to be fulfilled in those areas. Hey, I've given you fullness. You have it. The question is, are you willing to submit it and turn it over to me? When you do that, you're going to find freedom in that. There's promises that I'm just going to unleash on you when you do that. So the question you need to ask yourself is this. Where in my life is there a promise? Or better yet, where have I not fully surrendered? Where haven't I turned this aspect or every aspect of my life over to God? Where haven't I submitted it to Christ? Where am I living less than the fullness that Christ gives to me? So that's the first thing. You've got to ask the question, right? Like I said earlier, if you, you want to figure out the solution, you've got to understand the problem. Same idea. What's the problem? Where am I not submitting? God, what area have I not fully surrendered to you? Second step is just listen. How many of you in here are, um, or know, I shouldn't say are, but are, know somebody who uh, likes to wait to talk, Right? They're not, like, really listening. They're just kind of the wait-to-talkers, you know? So when you're talking to them, you know they're just not even, like, okay, like, yeah, oh, but here, i got to dig this in, right? If you're like, no, I know nobody who's like that, you're probably that person. Just giving you, you know, trying to expose these blind spots that you might have, right? Maybe you're that person. I think this is the reason, this whole idea of listening, where... uh, And Paul talks about praying without ceasing. When we pray it, we're getting focused on the right things. makes God big to us. We have this idea that God is really small. So again, when we're talking about this idea of fullness, right? The, The problem lies here. I need to get the eyes off of myself and realize, God, it's not about how small you are, but about how big you are. You're bigger than all my problems. That's what praying without ceasing is doing. It's making God big. The third thing is, uh, highly recommend this, get perspective from somebody you trust. Get perspective. Sometimes it's as easy as just asking somebody, hey, where's some of my weak points? Right? Where are my weak points at? Where do I need to grow? And the interesting thing is that there's no breakthrough without follow-through. You cannot overcome something unless you follow through on it. It's so critically important. And I want to leave us with this. John 16, 33. It's not up here, but I want to leave us with this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's right before he's about to go to the cross. He says this, You will have troubles in the world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. The question is, do you believe that and are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept the full measure that God is giving to each and every one of us? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much just for who you are and God that you've spoken to us clearly this morning. God, I pray that these words wouldn't just be words people listen to here, God, but 
that it would be applicable, that they would go from this place 